Experience God's encounter with Pastor George Zunwa as he takes you through the Word of God. We believe that the gospel is good news and that God's principle empowers men to fulfill their destiny. For more inquiries, call 0702-5950 or 0702-5951. Jesus exceeds expectation. I want you to remember three things as I teach. Number one is this. That marriage is the expression of God's goodwill to man. Marriage is not an endurance test. Marriage is a blessing package. God saw man alone and God said, it's not good for him. Let me make it gooder for him. So God brought marriage as a goodwill toward man. Second thing I need to remember is this. That every attack on your marriage is an attack on God's purposes. That attack delay your marriage is simply attacking the companionship purpose of marriage. God says there, none shall lack her mate. Isaiah 34, 16. So if you are lacking your mate, the devil is trying to make God a liar. When there's miscommunication in your home, it's an attack on intimacy purpose of the marriage. God said the two shall become one flesh. But since you can't agree, how can you be one flesh? How can you be intimate? When there's distrust in your home, it's an attack on the destiny impact of your marriage. God says two are better than one because they have a better reward for their labor. Because this 4 verse 9 says two are better than one. So why the two are fighting, the business is going down. Why the two are fighting, the career is going down. Why many people never achieve their full potential is a battle and a crisis at home. It's an attack. Barrenness is an attack on the procreation package of marriage. God says be fruitful multiply replenish the earth subdue it and have dominion replenish means add something to life fill it up and brothers and sisters every child giving birth to has a purpose for which that child is created what if Samuel wasn't born what he brought we will not see what if Faraday wasn't born what he brought we will not see all the guys that you talk about uh, that discovered A and B and C. What if they were never came? What if a right brothers never came? Maybe you should be trekking from here to America. There's always something put in the heart of somebody to deliver to a generation. That's why barrenness is a curse. Poverty is an attack on the blessing purpose of marriage. God said to Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So that when you are rich enough, you can begin to service other families. God doesn't want you to just feed your own family. He wants you to take care of a generation. Infidelity is an attack on the honor purpose of marriage. It's a marriage is honorable and the bed on the fire. When there's infidelity, crisis begins, honor goes down. And divorce is an attack on the posterity purpose of marriage. God said in Malachi chapter 2 verse 14 to 16, he said he hates putting away. And he said the reason he wants the man and the wife to be together is so they can raise a godly seed. When the godly seed is there, the posterity, the next generation is blessed. That's why Satan is fighting to divorce you and your husband. Because he knows what is at stake is not just your happiness, but the happiness of your children and the generations to be born. He wants a godly seed. But look at all the crises on this earth and check all the robberies, all the things, and see the background they came from. Background matters in destiny development. The third thing, it takes intentionality to establish covenant dominion in marriage. For you to dominate in marriage, you must be intentional. You must be very intentional. Intentional means you apply yourself to something with diligence, with focus, with determination. You do it. 
you wake up and you make a vow to yourself, my marriage will work. I don't care how many marriages are here, yet my own must be okay. I will give it what it demands. I will pay the price it will take. I will make sure that this home has peace and has love and has fun and have joy. Intentionally. When you make that decision, it makes you intentionally prepare for marriage. Intentionally to read books. Intentionally to lay a foundation. Intentionally to listen to CDs. Intentionally go to seminars. It makes you intentionally use your courtship to lay a solid foundation. Intentionally apply divine principles in your home. Intentionally do spiritual warfare to break the power of darkness. When you are intentional about your marriage, your marriage can't fail no matter what comes against it. It's okay. Uh, what, what's the picture? He said, the picture is intentionality. He said, this man wanted to build. He didn't lay a good foundation. The other guy wanted to build. He laid the foundation on the rock. He said, the wind came. The rain fell. The undercurrent came. One house fell. The other one stood. What made them stand was not that this one faced smaller problems than that. They faced the same problem. But one was intentionally built to last. One was built carelessly. God will not build your marriage, you Unless you start building it. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 4 says, Every house is built by some man, but the builder of all things is God. I said, have you gone to any building site before and you saw God there building? He said, Jehovah, how are you? He said, I'm fine. I came to build. Have you seen him there before? Even when they built his temple, did he show up? But Psalm 127 says, Except the Lord build the house, the labor inventor building. So how is God building and I'm laboring? God builds with ideas and inspiration. You build with labor and intentionality. You settle down and you build. If your marriage must last, you must build it. You can't live in a dream. If you don't build a house, you won't own a house. You must build something. If your home must work, you must build it. Having a dream for a marriage doesn't mean the marriage will work. There are many people who are so excited to get married who found out their marriage could not last. They ran away with haste. No intentionality to build. So since we have been addressing five major areas of intervention, help me. I want God to guide my choice. Help me. I think I'm getting it wrong. Help me. We need to lay a solid foundation. This service we did, we help me. Our relationship is under threat. Help me. The courtship is taking too long. It's help me. Our relationship is under threat. Do you know that sometimes courtship and marriage and relationships go through a turbulent phase? And for those of you in courtship, listen, every crisis in courtship is an eye-opener. It helps you to see yourself and to see your partner clearly. Don't avoid courtship crisis. No, 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 no. Don't be an enabler. Don't be an ostrich. Don't accept what you cannot live with. Allow the crisis to happen in courtship. Let it not happen in marriage. Do you know it's easier to, it's better to have a broken engagement than a broken marriage? So have a courtship crisis. Discuss things. Fight over issues. Quarrel over issues. Make up. Go ahead. That's how life is. No, 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 no. I don't want to say anything. Anything he says, you say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He said, when we get to the house of negotiating, negotiate what? He said, let me just get in first. Let me just get in first. Let him just put ring on my hand first. Sister, you better look at your elder sister. Every courtship crisis is a wake-up call. It tries to make you notice the danger zones to expect in the marriage when it begins. It also wakes you up to the activities of Satan in that relationship. Five crisis issues. In relationship, five major crisis issues in relationship. The first one is the stress of persistent compromise and failure. The stress of persistent compromise and failure. If you get engaged as a Christian and you start sleeping together and you start living together and you start hiding it, 
Whenever you come to church and hear a message, guilt will come to your heart. Condemnation will come to your heart. Every time you read the Bible, you feel condemned, you feel judged, you feel guilty. If that continues and it continues and it continues, it begins to put pressure on your relationship. If your business starts going down, you begin to suspect that it's maybe because of the sin that is making your business go down. If you start having problems in your office, the same thing. If you start having health challenge, the same thing. And after some time, you start looking at the person you used to love as a cause of your problem. And before you know it, the relationship starts breaking before it's, it's already having a foundation. That's why many relationships break quickly. Because as a man is going through something, he's calculating it is a mistake I am making that is making things not to work for me. So instead of you being his love interest, you become what he loots. That's why you need to be careful. Same thing for the man. That's why you need to be careful. That's why and pressure comes in and guilt and condemnation comes in People become antagonistic and you suddenly find out that aggression in relationship will multiply. They start quarreling more. They start attacking each other more. It's not because of Satan only. It's simply because guilt produces. When a man is not happy with himself, he starts attacking the world. Hurting people hurt people. So when the man is going through business challenge, he believes if this girl didn't come into my life, things will not go down. Since I met her, things are going down and all of that. And he knows I'm committing sin with her. So in the midst of that, he begins to reassess his life and then begins to count you as somebody that is causing problems for him. After some time, the relationship will naturally die. You are the one who normally kills your relationships by carelessness. Second thing is unresolved issues and irreconcilable differences. There are many things that we don't resolve. People quarrel. They don't resolve it. They just move on. Put it under the carpet and they move on. The differences are growing. They move on. After some time, it threatens the relationship. The third one is overload of financial burdens and demands. Even if you are married to Bill Gates, if you keep making demands, assist me here, help me here, do this for me here, do this for me here, after some time you become a nuisance. In relationship, the same thing. In relationship, the same thing. There are people who believe that if they come close to you, then you're supposed to carry their burden. So you are not married to somebody, you're just engaged. And then you attach your sister's school fees. You attach your mother's medical bill. You attach your brother's uh, house rent. Every small thing that comes, you come to him and you ask. And then if he says, I can't give you, you get annoyed. You're going to break that relationship. You're going to ruin it. You are allowing to be under threat. And some young men, the same thing. They say, I'm not working. I need money for phone so I can chat you. If you can't buy phone, it's over. And one of the ways to know whether the person you are working with can be financially responsible is this. He lost his job two years ago. He's still looking for a job, but he cannot do any other thing that is less than office work to get money. He is too up there to humble himself down here. That person is a danger sign. Anybody that has pride doesn't know wealth. Do you know there are some people who if they go to the north today, and come back with only granite, only yam, or whatever. They will be millionaires now. But they are sitting down every day because they have one degree. From one backyard university, they must get a job. 
So they despise all of that. There are some young men who are sitting here now who have been waiting for a job for five years. If they land mechanic, they'll be millionaires now. But they're too arrogant to any hand work. Every day they get up, tie their wrapper, and worry their brother's wife for food. He said, is this not, a, is it not my brother's food? You say, go and get a job. He said, am I the one that created myself? Is it not Nigeria that is bad? One day, one day, the job will come. One day, it will come. And that day, I will show you. So don't despise me. Don't despise me. Don't you hear what pastor says in church? The caterpillar is on the journey. Overload of financial burden. The fourth one is pressure of anti-marriage forces. There are some people whose lives are under attack of demonic powers. Some of you know, but you have never done anything about it. There are some of you who sleep in the night. You are in the river. You sleep in the nice snacks around you. You're having some kind of funny dreams and nightmares. You know that something is not right with me. But because you have ego, you can't go for deliverance. You can't ask for help. Ego will kill you. You may even get married. Having all of those anti-marriage forces. They can allow you to marry, but they will make sure there's a comma in your marriage. They make sure there's pain that you are managing in your marriage. Some of the people we are doing deliverance for after their marriage would have needed to go through what they went through before they came for deliverance if they handled it before now. Please, young man, that you are not having falling down when we pray doesn't mean there's nothing wrong with you. If you check your background and suspect that something is not right, humble yourself and go and let hands be laid on you. That as this dimension of bondage is the longest lasting one. No demon lives in the person. The person is just bound up. And that's the one that is most difficult because they don't discern it on time. So it's not every time a demon is in the person. But it's a bondage. So some people are having that. Some others it's witchcraft. Somebody has vowed you can't marry. And it's attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking. Every time, pam, something happens. Every time, pam, something happens. That person will pay. I stand on my mantle as God's prophet. Whoever is doing you, whoever is the force of evil stopping you from getting married, before November is over, let the judgment of God visit that person. Any power saying you cannot have your children, you will not prosper in marriage, you will not have peace in marriage, wherever they are coming from, as I speak now, let the earth swallow them. The fifth thing is the intrusion of many interested parties. That in many people's lives, there are many major stakeholders. The young man wants to marry. The mother is a stakeholder. The uncle that trained him in school is a stakeholder. The prophet that he goes to visit is a stakeholder. The ogre that he served is a stakeholder. All his friends in the office are stakeholders. Everybody he locates, all of them have to sign off. That's why he's not working. There are too many interested parties. Too many eyes on the marriage. And each one has a choice of who you should marry. Have you noticed that when people buy something as a gift for you, many times they give you the gift they like because they don't ask you the gift you like. When somebody wants to buy something for you, he buys what he likes. He buys to his test. When there are too many stakeholders, everybody gives you according to their specification. When I was a child, every time my mother goes to market and buys something for me and I wasn't there, it's either undersized or oversized. And most times oversized. When she's buying, she will say, let me buy something bigger. He will grow into it. I beg you, don't get oversized husband. 
And if you get undersized, you finish. If you get undersized, what are we going to do? Every interested party intruding into your relationship, bringing their voice, bringing their pressure, whether in your marriage or in your courtship. So how do you respond to crisis and threats in your relationship? Number one, refuse to panic, to play the ostrich, or to be the hurting pacifier. Refuse, number one, to panic. Refuse to play the ostrich. Refuse to be the hurting pacifier. What do we mean panic? There are some people, any small thing that comes in a relationship, hey, 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 this thing will not be, I don't want it to break, I don't want it to break, I don't want it to break. Instead of resolving the issue, they surrender and allow something to pass that will help them make a decision. There's a decision. They disagreed. Oh, I don't want him to walk away. I don't want him to walk away. Instead of standing their ground and forcing a decision on an issue, they back off. And then when they get into the marriage, the man says, but we discussed this. They say, ah, but we didn't agree. No, you agreed. Sometimes silence is consent. Others play the ostrich. They see all kinds of problems in the other person's life, but they will not mention it so the person doesn't get angry. When you get into your marriage in court and you see those things, how are you going to do now? You know, there are women who cannot sit down their husband and say, that thing, I don't like it. That's how you started. But if you started at the level of communication, you can actually sit down and talk. And it's not a crisis. It's called a communication, a decision point. Others are hurting pacifiers. You abuse them. They say sorry. You push them. They say sorry. They just want to marry at all costs. Not peace. It's called presumption. Second point. Define the category of the crisis and know your relationship deal breakers. What crisis category is this? What are we having crisis about? And what are the deal breakers in this marriage? If in a relationship at the beginning you notice character crisis, I beg you, run. Character crisis is different from money crisis. Character crisis is difficult to handle. This man is a compulsive liar. Have you ever met ladies that lie about what they don't even need to lie about? Compulsive liar. If he tells you five things, four and three quarter, it's a character so other people, their own is vindictiveness. Have you met some people that cannot let go an offense? You disagree with somebody, it turned into a personal crisis and we quarrel and quarrel and quarrel and has made it his personal mission to make sure you suffer for that issue. You are just cutting. You did something, he felt insulted. And for four weeks, he's punishing you for something you said carelessly that he was annoyed with. What of when you enter into the marriage and there's a real insult? Because no matter how you do it, in that marriage, one day something will arise. Another category of crisis is communication. Another one is belief. Another one is intrusion. Another one is resources. What is the category you are going through? And then check it with your deal breakers. What are the things you have made up your mind? If I see this in a home, I won't continue. If you check that and it rises up with any of the deal breakers... Then go and see your mentor, go and see your counselor, go and see the person training you. The third thing, show love, courtesy, candor, and principles in relating to touchy issues. Show love, show courtesy, but be sincere and be principled when you are dealing with issues that are touchy. When you are having a crisis in your relationship, please show love. Speak with courtesy, but be firm. Know where you stand, know where your principles are.
In today's fast-paced world, we all need contacts and mentors on social media for inspiration, motivation, and more. You can connect with Pastor George Izunwa on all his social media handles. Follow him on Facebook at Pastor George Izunwa, Instagram and Twitter at George Izunwa. Connect and let's take the journey of greatness together.